We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The hottest next tape you'll find online. Next all day. We bleed blue and orange. This is Next Fan TV, your one-stop shop for the ultimate New York Knicks fan experience. News, rumors, debates, post-game live streams featuring live callers. Let's go Knicks, baby! And now, your host, CP, the NY Fanatic. All right, welcome in to Locked On Knicks. Today's episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra at only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. Stay tuned for the Ultra Player of the Week coming up later in this episode. I'm Alex Wolf. I'm editor-in-chief of Knicks site, The Strickland, joined by Gavin Shaw, as always, podcaster by night, play-by-play announcer by day. And we have a very special guest with us today. From Knicks Fan TV, we have CP, a.k.a. The Franchise, a.k.a. Max Kellerman's Worst Enemy. <laughs> CP, what's going on, man? How you doing? Happy to be on, fellas. Always happy to be on this show, man. And uh, great to talk Knicks. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Hope you guys are doing well. Yeah, of course. We're doing pretty well and hope you are as well. Uh, we're going to get into that Max Kellerman beef in a little bit. Kind of sure. give the uh, the history of the the CP versus Max beef here. But uh, first, we wanted to kind of get into the trade deadline. I think that's mm-hmm. the, the main thing on most people's minds. Uh, coming up tomorrow, there's been all kinds of rumors. I don't think there's been anything too concrete around the Knicks and the trade deadline, which is probably about what we would expect. It, you know, you, the team's playing as well as they played in almost 10 years, you know, you, you don't think they'd be in a rush to break that up unless the, the right deal came along um, or they could do like a minimal around the edges thing. But mm-hmm. CP, I mean, you talk to a lot of people too, just like, you know, we try to talk to a lot of people. What's your impression? Like, do you think that they're going to make a deadline move? Do you think that's something that they're prioritizing or do you think mostly that their name's just kind of being thrown out there to drum up interest in guys that will be traded to other teams? Yeah, I mean, you know, you're hearing the, the typical names out there, Alonzo Ball, Andre Drummond, Fournier, some of the Magic guys. I, you know, based on the people I've spoken to and, and based on, um, you know, what I've heard from Ian Begley and the like, it just seems like they're doing their due diligence. They're out there listening to offers and, and seeing who's out there, who's available at their price. You know, I don't see the Knicks going out there and being aggressive to, to you know, try to make a move to truly solidify a playoff spot. I think – you know, they'll, they'll gauge the market, whether it's for an Oladipo, Alonzo, and 
if if these GMs are willing to meet their price, I, I think they will strike on these guys. But I don't see them just being, you know, uh, you know, feet to the pavement, just really being aggressive out there, really just trying to get somebody in here. All right, so CP, let, let's talk about Lonzo Ball first, because to me at least, he's he's probably the most interesting name and seemingly the one that the Knicks have the most substantial interest in and maybe the most substantial interest in acquiring at the deadline versus waiting for the offseason. Where, where do you kind of fall on the counterbalance of giving up potentially like significant assets or, or what some people would consider significant assets for him versus just trying to wait for the offseason to sign him. And obviously you take the risk that another team that really wants him trades for him and then has the right to match any offer. Yeah. So, I mean, like I said, there's a lot to like about Lonzo, man. I mean, he's really improved his game. He's at 14 and five on the season right now, 38% from three, 46% from the corner three. Uh, you know, he's, he's a good defender, which Thibodeau likes a big guard, which Thibodeau will also like. And I think he's going to help the Knicks, especially in transition. He's going to help them push the pace, which they're once again last in both statistical categories. And so there's a lot to like about Lonzo in terms of fitting in him in here with R.J. Barrett, with Julius Randle, um, being an outlet in the corner for their driving kicks rather than Alfred Payton. You know, that, that would be a huge upgrade. But it, it, it all depends on the price. And I know David Griffin is, is not going to just give this kid away. You know, he's a shrewd GM. And I just don't like paying twice. For someone, you know, I don't want to pony up prospects and a young player here to go get Lonzo Ball. Then you have to negotiate with him and, and pay him in the offseason. I feel like that's, you know, paying twice. And for a player like that, even though he can help, I think the, the, the prudent move would just be to wait it out, see what happens. Are you able to sign him in the offseason without having to give anything up? If not, you know, I would look elsewhere. Do we go into the draft? Do we look at a Malcolm Brogdon? You know, the thing is that we have cap space, we have draft picks where we can kind of get creative and maybe someone else, you know, shakes loose that we're not thinking about, like like a Brogdon who to me would help this team tremendously as well. So obviously with Lonzo, you like that he's he's ready to go. He's 23, he's starting to mature, he's starting to get better. And the downside to the draft is, especially with Thibodeau, is that, you know, unless they get a ready-made point guard, a guy like Alonzo would make sense. It's just, I would just wait it out and be a bit more patient. What do you think about this? I was just thinking about this as you were saying, you know, you don't want to pay him twice. What do you think about the idea, though, that potentially, I mean, you know, I, I think it's no secret, at least at the uh, at the head of the Ball family with LeVar Ball, he's mm-hmm. always really wanted to get one of his kids playing in New York. Yeah. I, I think that's yeah. pretty obvious. He, You know, he wanted to try to, Make it happen with Lamelo. Obviously, that that mm-hmm. couldn't because of how things shook down in the draft lottery. He wanted to do it with Lonzo way back at the beginning, but you know he, he settled on L.A. instead. Mm-hmm. You know, as his target there. But and you know they're obviously L.A. people, but it does seem like Lavar yeah. has it has it in for New York. Like he really wants one of his kids to play in New York. Do you think there's a possibility that by paying some assets to acquire Lonzo? you're saving yourself money in the dollars and cents department because then you don't have to, you know, I, I think it's possible either if, if Lonzo comes to New York and he plays well the rest of the season and it seems like a great basketball fit and everything else, you know, maybe he would still be like, no, I want to test the restricted free agent market and I want to get top dollar for myself. But I think it's also possible that, you know, his dad, especially being, you know, Mr. Marketing Genius himself, at yeah, least in his, yeah. in his own mind, 
would be like, no, you know what? The opportunities presented by playing in New York are really good. Let's not test them. Let's not make this a bad relationship from the start. Let's just, you know, agree to a reasonable contract to re-up in New York and not do the whole get the bloated free agent contract sort of thing. Like, do you think that's a possibility? I, I go back and forth on that. Yeah, definitely. I, I think if, if they were going to pony up assets and try to get them at the deadline, I would have to think there's some sort of, you know, backroom dealing between World Wide West and Lavar that says, you know, uh, th- th- there's a realistic possibility that they have a good chance of keeping him and maybe at a, you know, slight discount than the, the rumored $20 million or north uh, is, you know, that they claim or the reports out there claim that he's looking for. So I think that's a realistic possibility. I'm not one who would, you know, mind LeVar Ball being here. I think as long as we have the infrastructure and the culture in place, I think Thibodeau is a coach that he would definitely respect. And so we wouldn't have to worry about him, you know, uh, going crazy with the media and things of that nature. So uh, I think, I think it would be solid, man. It's just that at what point and what price do we try to bring Lonzo here? All right, CP, I want to get into a couple more guards with you, specifically Victor Oladipo, and you brought him up, so we got to talk about him. Malcolm Brogdon, and we are back with CP, the fanshine, the bane of Max Kellerman's existence. <laughs> I, love, I just, I see if we can get into it at the end, but I love, like, the wrestling dynamic between you two. It's really, it's really, it's a lot of fun, and, like, I know, I, you know, I'll save it for the end. I'll save it for the end. Let's keep, let's keep talking trade deadline. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, I'll, I'll leave it. I'll, I'll leave it up to you. Uh, we can, we can either go in the direction of Victor Oladipo, who it, it seems increasingly like it's not going to be the Knicks at least during the trade deadline, because according to uh, Adrian Wojnarowski, the Rockets are apparently getting a number of offers for him that include young players and first round picks, and there's some mutual interest between Oladipo and the Knicks. But the Knicks, given the amount of cap space they have this summer and being well aware of that interest, are hesitant to give up a lot of assets in a trade today, which I think all three of us would agree is absolutely the right move, given Oladipo's inability up to this point to rediscover the form he had in his uh, all-NBA season in Indiana. So I would say, and this is this is semi-breaking news, that Malcolm Brogdon is even an option, and kind of shocking to me, I would almost lean that we start with talking about Brogdon. And, and why do you think he's... He's even available at the moment. I know the report from uh, from Yahoo, uh, specifically from Vincent Goodwill, was saying that they believe Karis LeVert can play some point guard, and because of that, they're they're potentially willing to move on from Brockton, who's in the second year of a four-year, $85 million contract. All of a sudden, at least in my mind, Brogdon becomes the single most intriguing guy available from a Knicks perspective, given his ability defensively, his shooting ability, his his strength and getting to and finishing at the rim. He, he, at least in my mind, he checks off just about every box you want as a point guard for the Knicks. And being a guy who, um, despite having all those qualities, is an exceptionally ball-dominant CP, which I think makes him a really good fit next to Randall, makes him a really good fit next to Barrett, and, and quickly down the road when he's eventually starting. Man, let me tell you, if I if if you can get me Malcolm Brogdon today, sign me up. I I'm going Brogdon uh, ten times over ten in, instead of Oladipo. I just don't think Oladipo is going to regain his form, and he's he's not a particularly efficient shooter, you know. So I, I feel like he, he's more of a redundant piece to what we have to RJ Barrett. I'd rather go somewhere else at the three, something a bit more dynamic, younger, particularly in the draft. You know, if, if 
you can't strike a miracle and get Kawhi Leonard here. But um, with Brogdon, I mean, you know, 21 and six on the campaign, almost 40% from three, kills the Knicks every time he plays them. A big, tough, strong point guard, well, more combo, but, you know, has, has the ability to facilitate. As you say, he's not a ball dominant guy, so his usage rate is going to be slightly lower. It's going to fit right in there with RJ Barrett and, and Julius Randle, again, on their driving kicks. I would love Malcolm Brogdon here. And, yeah, I think, you know, what's the Pacers' motivation of moving him? I, I think the LeVert thing definitely makes sense because these guys are right in the thick of the playoff run. I, I don't see why they would look to make that move unless they're trying to, you know, build up some more assets. Obviously, they'd be looking to, to acquire some draft capital there. You have LeVert who can swap right in for Brogdon. And LeVert's going to be a player, man. I, I definitely like his skill set and his upside. So, if that means that Malcolm Brogdon shakes loose because, you know, maybe they feel like his, his salary is a bit up there, hey, I'll take him in a heartbeat. No doubt about it. Yeah, I think, I mean, I'm I'm totally with both of you. I, I love Brogdon. I think yeah. he would be – I don't know if you could even draw up a player that would be a more perfect fit for the Knicks right now mm-hmm. in the sense that, you know, I actually think as much as everybody always talks about, you know, oh, the Knicks haven't had a pure point guard in so many years, I think they've – weirdly kind of set themselves up in a place where if you're going to be building around Randall and RJ for a while, yeah. I don't know if you necessarily want one. Yeah. You know, I think, yeah, exactly. Like you want someone who can handle the ball, certainly, but you don't necessarily need someone who needs the ball every single time in their hands. You know, you want like, uh, you know, less of a, I guess, I, I don't know. It's stupid to say this, but you know, you don't necessarily need a Damian Lillard type. You don't need someone mm-hmm. who has the ball in their hands every single time, high usage, you know, uh, creating points for themselves and, you know, just finding others sometimes, whatever. You could just have a guy who, you know, can handle the ball, can score the ball and can do stuff off the ball as well as on the ball. And and I think that Brogdon would be that dude. And such an efficient scorer, as you said, CP, shooting like almost 40% from three on good volume too. It's not it's not like cheap numbers where he's doing that on like one and a half attempts per game or something. Yeah, six and a half. Six yeah. and a half per game, yeah, exactly. So, I mean, he's a volume shooter. He's, you know, a, a great passer, um, really good at running an offense, really smart. I mean, yeah. like one, probably one of the smartest players in the league. I would argue if they got him, the Knicks would have one of the smartest teams in the league, like period. For sure. Um, sure. Just as far as basketball IQ and everything else. But I, uh, I think that, I think the thing that I struggle with is how much I would potentially give up for him. And, yeah. I think I'll give up quite a bit, you know, yeah. because he's he's locked into – I'm not – what is it? His contract is – His second year of a four-year $85 million. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, you know, he's got two more years after this one, and I, I would say his deal is affordable given his production. Like, it's similar to Randall's yeah. deal where $20 million for him, uh, it's, that's a good deal, man. I mean, that's like not even a fifth of your salary cap when some of the biggest stars in the league make almost 50% of the salary cap, you know? Yeah. Um, so Alex, let me throw this at you. Are you are you yeah. giving up quickly in a Brogdon deal? Because I think he. I mean, assuming RJ and Randall are totally off the table, which I, I would assume, I think that's the name that comes up in that conversation. Well, I potentially do that or give up a, a somewhat of a surplus of draft picks. Like I would yeah. almost consider giving up both first this year, uh, the Mavs one and the Knicks own. Maybe protect the Knicks one top eight or something, you know, just in case that things don't work out, someone yeah. gets injured, something like that. You know, you want to protect yourself against that sort of thing. But 
I think I might give up both those picks. Maybe also the 2023 Mavs pick. That gives them three first-round picks, including two in this particular draft. The Knicks still hold on to that Pistons second-round pick, which would be like a late first, you know, to give them a shot to still add some talent in the, the draft this year. Now, if you include quickly, then it starts getting a little more murky about how many picks I'd give. But, yeah. CP, I'll throw that to you. What, what do you think would be a decent package for Brogdon at this point? Man, I mean, would I give up IQ? I'd be hesitant to do so. But, you know, you got to pay to play. And, and you got to give something to get something. And, and Brogdon, I think, can really solidify this position at the point. You see R.J. Barrett's playmaking ability. You saw it on display last night against the Wizards. He was magnificent. Could have had up to nine dimes last night if Julius didn't have it going and if Peyton wasn't ball hogging. I, thought, I think R.J. could have easily had eight, nine assists last night. So his playmaking has been on display. You've seen Julius's uptick in playmaking on this play as well. And I think Brogdon would be a great um, off-ball, but also be able to facilitate for you as well give you that defense in a trade I would give you know if you're going to put quickly in a package I would consider quickly you know the Dallas pick and and maybe a future protected first maybe like both Dallas picks right both Dallas picks plus quickly plus I'd I'd even say maybe they could also do the the Pistons second rounder that right I was yeah I was going to throw that in there because you have to consider, I mean, we went into the draft last year with three, came out with two. You got mm-hmm. to figure with Tibbs, you know, a lot of those roster spots are going to be occupied by vets. So, you know, I doubt they even come out of next year's draft or this upcoming draft with all three picks. I, I, could, I would probably factor in that. It, they may even come out with one. Who knows? So um, they're going to be looking to package some of these things up. And, and for Malcolm Brogdon, I would certainly do it at the right price. Yeah, yeah. It's certainly like a dude who's in his prime ready to roll, ready to make you a better team today. Mm -hmm. And, and I mean, with how good the Knicks have played already this year and how good they've played some of the best teams in the league, you know, I'd be perfect. Yeah, I think if you add him, you you might potentially be looking at, you know, uh, I I hesitate to, like, you know, go this direction and bring up this name, but you're potentially looking at almost like Sprewell impact of add this guy to this team and suddenly Mm – you know, your team might be a really scrappy, like, six to eight seed. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they, yeah. they could potentially give one of these top seeds a run top for their out. money. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, it's definitely intriguing, particularly, again, if you can if you can manage to get out of that deal holding on to RJ, Randall, and Mitch and add Brogdon to that. You know, I'd even go so far as to say I might, you know, maybe this doesn't feel like it's offering too much at the moment, but I, I would say that I would maybe even offer – Obi into that at this point to say take Obi quickly like the both Nas picks the Detroit second this year and you know maybe even one or two of those other seconds that they acquired during the Ed Davis deal and all that stuff mm-hmm. that's something that I would entertain because I just think I think he's going to be that good of a player he's just now like entering his prime because he came into the league late too you know he came into the league when he was already like 23 years old yeah um so as like one of the oldest rookies in his class and, uh, you know, but still one rookie of the year that year, everything else. And then it's just gotten better every single year since then. I, I'd argue that maybe he hasn't even hit his peak yet. 
um, yeah. even though he's, I think, 28 years old now. So 28 right now, yeah. Alex, yeah. I think I think if you offered Obi, the Pacers would call back and would say, "We need we need an extra pick if we're taking." Yeah. <laughs> oh man, that's cold. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, my guy's struggling right now, man. Struggling mightily, man. I. I, I just don't know, but you know that that's another reason why you know the Lonzo thing would be good because I just feel like we just don't have anybody to really get Obi activated in the pick and roll right now. Quickly, he, he's uh, he's he's falling back a little bit just in terms of his facilitating. Again, I don't know if that's Tibbs and the coaches, you know, getting in to shoot more, or that's you know just the absence of Derrick Rose overall. But you know, just we just don't have any consistent uh, facilitators right now to really get Obi activated. He's, you know, his post-up game is non-existent. Shooting the ball, like I said, if you're going to have him standing in the corner shooting, you know, rainbow air balls, just put Kevin Knox in the game. Um, it's it's going to be a redshirt year for Obi, man. Just, just a struggle all the way around, no doubt about it. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So, again, we're, of course, here with CP, the franchise, the Kellerman killer. Uh, I, I think we've come up with a new one every single time. Yeah. Um, they're, they're getting better every time. Um, and we're, we're going to be talking about that Kellerman feud in a minute. It's been very entertaining to keep up with over these last few weeks. But we're going to get back into the uh, trade deadline talk just for a minute here. So I, I think we can safely – table any Oladipo discussion. I know we sort of said, like, oh, let's pick between the two last segment, but it seems like we're all pretty out on Oladipo, at least as far as trading yeah, for him, which makes sense because, you know, you don't want to pay all those assets when there's a vet. I mean, imagine the most painful thing possible for a Knicks fan would be trade for Oladipo and then have him sign with Miami. And sign, with the <laughs> which, sign with which the Heat. Sign with the most rivals in the history of the franchise. Yeah, and that seems to be his preferred – destination as much as people want to float you know oh maybe there's mutual interest between him and New York it seems like yeah. he wants to go to Miami so no I'm not on board with getting him and I don't even think he's that good anymore I'm, I'm gonna be completely yeah. honest I think I he's mean, a good he's defender one of the worst teams in the league right now yeah he's on one of the worst teams in the league putting up empty stats he can't really shoot anymore his field goal percentage is below 40 overall I mean just Keep keep him away. I don't yeah. I don't think the Knicks need him this year. It's a name right now, honestly, and I just exactly. I don't see the point. Exactly. It's you know how much are you really valuing just you know his credentials versus what he actually gives you at this point? Um, I, I think it's the real question there. But uh, I think a guy that the Knicks should potentially look at is Evan Fournier, and his name has come up. You know, the Magic or he's first off he's a free agent this off season. Mm-hmm. Um, if he wanted to bounce from Orlando, I would not really blame him because he's been a really good, efficient scorer for them for years now. And 
you know, it just hasn't been rewarded with very much in the way of, of playoff success and stuff. And, you know, I could see him wanting to potentially get out this year. He's averaging actually his best points per game of his career, 19.6 on 46% overall from the field, almost 39% from three, uh, three rebounds, four assists. I mean, I, I think that he's, in many ways, I think he offers you sort of some of the, the things that uh, we were just talking about Brogdon mm-hmm. offering, minus the super, super elite defense. You know, I think that's the, the huge difference between those two. Um, is that Fournier, you know, he defends pretty well, but he's no he's no impact defender. You know, he's not going to go out there and win you games with his defense like Brogdon potentially could. But, CP, what do you think about Fournier as a target potentially, especially if, you know, if the Magic, seeing him becoming a free agent this summer, just say, you know what, uh, we're probably going to lose him anyway. Yeah. I, I think we could part with him for just whatever we can get at this point and call it a day. And, you know, if the Knicks, again, you know, World Wide West <laughs> works behind the scenes a little bit and, you know, schmoozes his agent or whatever and says, hey, you know, if we trade for him, is he going to sign here? Like if we guarantee that we'll give him this contract this offseason, the agent says yes, then maybe you say, okay, you know, we'll give up a couple little assets for him and, and make this happen. What do you think about Fournier as a potential target there for the Knicks? Listen, any consistent shooters – I do not. I have no problem with with acquire man. Just name him and bring him in because that, that's what we need. I love Fournier's game. Almost single handedly won the game uh, that the Knicks won against the Magic last week. You know, Fournier came on strong in that second half. Nineteen points per game, thirty eight percent from three on seven attempts. Um, yeah, I definitely love his game. Seventeen million a year. You know, I think I think he's going to get dealt. But the question is. Uh, which teams will will be able to match that salary? You know, the Knicks will will be in that beneficial position and that will have the cap space to be able to take him on or or uh, not have to pony up as much. And so, you know, that's a, definitely someone I, I would take a look at. If not, there's there's always the off season. You know, if he shakes loose in the off season as a free agent and we can get him there, I think he'd be a great piece. You can always move RJ to the three. Or do you bring Corny off the bench, depending on if you get a, an even stronger player in your starting lineup, whether it's a two or the three? I think Corny would be great here. There's no doubt. Bring him in. Yeah, and I, I just think with the way Burks is playing right now, he's he's a little superfluous. Obviously, if the if the price isn't insane, like no harm in doing it. Great mm-hmm. shooter, um, probably a better playmaker than Burks, maybe a little bit more consistent. Um, but yeah, that, that's sort of where I'm at. Uh, CP, if, just, if, if I may, sorry, I just okay. want to add one thing real quick. Cause CP, you, you kind of got my brain working for a second there when you were talking about the salaries. Mm-hmm. One thing to maybe consider with a Fournier trade, he's making 17 million this year. The magic as things stand right now are at $134.88 million. Mm-hmm. The tax line, as far as I can tell is a hundred thirty-two point six million this year, so they are almost two million dollars over the tax line, which is not a ton. But then you consider who the owners are: the DeVos family, famously our former Secretary of Education, thank God, former. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, small market team. If the Knicks can offer them a path out of the luxury tax by basically just absorbing Fournier, maybe right. sending them like Kevin Knox or something in return. Uh, and a second round pick, maybe something like that. Maybe that's something that they'd be into. And so, it, you know, the salary thing not to be overlooked. But Gavin, I'll, I'll throw it back to you now. I just want to throw that nugget out there. Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll keep swinging the ball around. But CP, I just, I just want to know: is there a name that we haven't brought up yet that you're interested in, or do we, do we cover everyone that, that you're looking at for the Knicks? 
as I've been saying, Norman Powell, man. Norman Powell, you know, approaching the 50-40-90 slash line. He's averaging 19 points a game, 43% from three. Gives you good defense. Nick Killer. And I think, the you know, based on the overall uh, the overall sentiment with, with him is that, uh, obviously, he's got the player options for next year at $11 million. Will he opt out of it and look for more money on the open market? You, you'd have to think he's, he's likely to command more. And with Ujiri already invested in Van Fleet and Siakam and also uh, Anobi, will there be room for Norman Powell? Seems like from what, you know, we're seeing out there from Woj and others, it seems like they, they have a market for Lowry and Powell as well. We also heard that the Nets are interested in Powell, which would be dangerous to add to that group. So he's a guy I would love the Knicks to, to snag if they have an opportunity. Yeah, my question is who do they even – who do the Nets even have to offer at this yeah. point to try to get a right. like a, a, a close to 50-40-90, <laughs> you know, 20-point yeah. scorer at this point? Someone joked on Twitter. They were like, what do they have to offer, stocks and bonds? So yeah. I, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe I'm not so sure. Call up the old owner, Mikhail Prokhorov, see if they can get yeah, some rubles yeah. behind the scenes. You know, well they I, did. They did throw Dinwiddie's name in the hat. Yeah, that was I'm, the name I had heard. But he's a free agent as well. So. I was going to say another guy hitting free agency who's going to yeah. have a robust market. You know, yeah. why would they have any interest in having to go super wild trying to sign him? Although right. I guess maybe they could say, okay, we'll commit some money to Dinwiddie and let Lowry walk in the offseason or just trade Lowry at this deadline. You know, uh, maybe mm-hmm. that's something that they do. But it, you're also, you know, you're getting uh, Dinwiddie back from a major leg injury as well. So, yeah. uh, you know, not really a, an ideal situation there. Yeah, I, I like Powell a lot, though. I, you know, I, I like that suggestion. He's really leveled up these last few years. I Definitely. mean, he's he's just the latest in a long line of testaments to just how good the development uh, situation is in Toronto because he's gone from, you know, first four years of his career he alternated between – Averaging five and eight uh, points per game. Now, last two years, 16 points a game last year. Shot uh, almost 50-40-90 he was at 49.5, and uh, 39.9, and 84.3. This year, same general line, but on more shots uh, from all around. 49.5 from the field, 43.4 from three, 86.8 from the free throw line for 19.5 points. Yeah, I mean, he's... He could be exactly the type of player the Knicks are looking for. And maybe, you know, it, because of the fact that the Raptors, if they decide to blow it up, would be, you know, the, their marquee guy to trade out would be Lowry. You know, that's the mm-hmm. the championship pedigree point guard leader, you know, that, that was so big in their, their championship. Um, you know, the, the he's the name, you know. And so if they get their big haul for Lowry, they might just say, okay, well, you know, Powell, we don't necessarily need to get quite as much for him. We just want to kind of reset and not pay him this summer. So we'll, you know, trade him for a couple young players off the Knicks. You know, the Raptors, again, are another team, too, that might be interested in the idea of getting under the luxury tax this year so they can get out of paying repeater taxes Mm -hmm. uh, going forward. So they might try to move him to the Knicks or somewhere like that to absorb a lot of that salary, get them under the luxury tax line for this year so that then they can start going buck wild, paying people, you know, uh, on extensions and all that stuff if they would go for, you know, maybe they even just go after Dinwiddie in the free agent market or something like that. There's all kinds of different options they can pursue, but that is a good name. I, I'm I'm into that idea for sure. Yeah. 
All right, so uh, CP, let's let's get into the the Kellerman stuff to wrap things up. I, I first want to know, because I'm, I'm I'm just curious, how did that initially come together where you guys had had the first segment? Yeah, so um, the producer, the, the producer, uh, I guess is is friendly with Chuck D, who, who's been an avid supporter of uh, of our program and the podcast and just the whole you know Knicks fan TV wave. So they reached out and and said, hey, you know we we have a uh, two o'clock opening on a Max Kellerman show. You know, would you like to come on and say, hey, let's do it? And, and so you know, Kellerman, he he sold out the Knicks fan base over the years to the mouse. You know, the, the, the mouse checks have been, have been getting real big for Kelvin these days. So he sold us out in exchange for the LOL Knicks narrative. But, uh, so I had to come on there and confront them, man. And, and little by little, it, it's turned into an adversarial, you know, segment to, to a more Knicks therapy, we'll call it. You know, we're, we're bringing him back to the fold, bringing him back to the nation slowly but surely. He's got to get rid of the anti-Dolan takes, you know, and all that and really just focus on the team. So that's what I'm trying to do. Just focus on the team. You know the improvements of all our guys, and and hopefully he'll he'll be back up to speed. Uh, you're really providing a, a public service with this. You, you're <laughs> like that. What's up? Yeah, man. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, go ahead. Uh, as you say, I gotta ask you: Did you study some Stephen A. tape before going on there? Because you know what, I did. I did. You, I did. did <laughs> you definitely take on a different persona when you go on the Kellerman show. Because I've done, yeah. I mean, I've done a number of shows with you on on Nick's Fan TV. Uh, you know, obviously on here, you know, you're very chilled out, dude. You get yeah. on the Kellerman show and you, the one thing that I noticed that you do that is very Stephen A-esque is every three seconds, it's like Max Kellerman. Max Kellerman. <laughs> <laughs> you got to say the full name. You got to address the somebody. Full name, man. Yeah. And, and, you know, he comes at you doing the same thing. He goes, all right, CP, the franchise yeah. of Nick's fan TV. Let me tell you this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and, you know what it is? No, go ahead, go ahead. Finish, finish what you're Well, I was going to say, Gavin mentioned ahead of the show, you know, before we started recording, it's very, like, WWE-esque. You know, yeah. it's like, you know, addressing each other. It's like The Rock versus Stone Cold. It's like, listen here, Max Keller. Let me tell you what's going on, brother. You know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, man. And, and you know what it is? It's, um... I didn't, I didn't watch anything or you know, to prep, but really just, you kind of just feed off the energy. And it's just kind of like, you know, the cadence and the rapport that I have with any other guests that come on the show. You know, Al, you've been on the show multiple times. You know that we kind of just vibe off of each other. And, and that's kind of, you know, what I've been able to do with, with all the guests that I've had on the show. So with Max, when he comes with that, you know, Nick Hader, adversary, villain type of stick, it, it kind of, I just kind of feed off of that feed off the energy, and, and as you alluded to the wrestling reference, obviously a big WWF head back in the, the golden ages, so, you, you know, all those promos man. and all the Macho Man promos and Ultimate yeah. Warrior, it just comes out naturally, man, you know, it just comes out naturally, because that was our culture back in the day. I yeah. mean, he clearly he clearly watched that sort of stuff, too, because this, I think it was the second installment you guys had, he kept doing the, because it was the Dolan debate of over yeah. the, the Ewing stuff, Yeah, and he kept going. Oh, you got to defend dear leader. You know, <laughs> trying to turn him into like the like. It's like he's like the Iron Sheik or some crap. Yeah. Like, I'm like, <laughs> what are you? What are you doing at this point? Anyway, Gavin, I'm sorry, I kind of interrupted you. There. Oh, no, all good. All, I mean, it's it's kind of a kind of an adjacent question. I think I know the answer, but CP, this is this is like a little inside baseball-y, But what, what's your instinct for what he really thinks about this kind of stuff? Because I've always like I've I've never I've always been turned off by like Skip Bayless, Stephen A. Yeah. I find incredibly entertaining, but like I'm hot and cold 
on his actual takes, but you always hear in sports media, like, ideally you want to be loved, but it's much better to be hated yeah. than for people to have no opinion about you. Do you yeah. think, like, what percentage of it do you think is, like, kind of a shtick on his part versus, like, yeah. he's genuinely been burned by some of these things? And it's it's this weird thing when I'm watching him talk, because I, I think he's, I actually, like, I know a lot of Knicks fans aren't a fan of him. I think he's, mm-hmm. like, an exceptionally smart guy. Mm-hmm. I read, I don't know if you guys have, like, there's this great, like, Sports Illustrated feature on him and his family. Like, really, really interesting dude overall. And, like, sometimes, like, I almost think he's, like, intentionally, like, dumbing it down, being one-dimensional and just sort of thinking, what's the single most inflammatory thing I can say? Mm-hmm. And I can tell when you're on with him, like, you're making, like, really good points about the Knicks and, like, Randall, who's, like, I mean, like, obviously, like, at like this moment in time, like, a better player than KP and like you're using nuance and talking about the team and then he's kind of deflecting and saying like but Dolan and you're you're making the counterpoint and you're right like okay that's great like none of us love Dolan but that's that's irrelevant to the fact that the team is exciting and in a better place than it's been in 20 years so do you do you think like in his mind it's just kind of like this is good radio slash good tv which it is I'm not arguing versus like I'm gonna like if I were to make like the nuanced argument I believe we would probably agree on a lot of stuff. Yeah, well, as you said, you know, the, the first thing uh, Ross, the producer, texted me after my first one was, this is great radio slash TV. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, it, to me, it's 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 90% a stick. He understands that, having come up in the industry for, for, you know, decades. Skip Bayless, to me, has mastered that, you know, that villain role, the art of being hated with his anti-LeBron takes and just being on the opposite side of popular opinion. I think Skip Bayless has, has really mastered that approach. And so I feel like when, when they replaced Matt Skip with Max, I felt like that's the role that they wanted him to fill to kind of counter Stephen A. So, you know, I think, I think yeah, sure. Has he been burned as a Knicks fan? Sure. And I think we all had our moments where we're just like, you know, fed up with the franchise. But I, th- I think deep down he, he really is a, a, a fan and is still keeping tabs on the team. Um, I feel like he is, you know, these last two iterations have been more focused on the, the team and Julius Randle and R.J. Barrett and their prospects. So I think he does see the improvements of the team. I'm sure he still is skeptical with, with, with Dolan and, and his involvement. But overall, I, I think it's just – you know, they do it for entertainment. It's a little bit different than how we do it. Our, our approach is more authentic to what's going on. You know, it's not sugar-coated, but it's not forced. You know, I, that, that's one thing on my show and, and what you guys do. The, the takes aren't forced. You say what you feel and, you, you know, you, you call it how you see it. With them, it, it's it's a little bit different because, I guess, you know, they're doing it for ratings and, and it's for TV, so it's got to be a bit more sensationalized. So, and those you know, all in all, a lot of fun, though, man. Yeah, all, and those social media interactions. They need those clippable moments. Yes, sure. yes, absolutely. But, well, thank goodness for you fighting the good fight for us against Max Kellerman and those those devils at ESPN. Um, yeah, appreciate it, man. It's a lot, <laughs> a lot of fun, man. I, I couldn't uh, have imagined this experience coming about, but, you know, I'm just riding the wave and having fun with it. Well, we'll, uh, we'll send you off with just one last thing here. I mean, it's pretty straightforward. There's a, a lot of – obviously what happens at the trade deadline could very well influence your opinion on this. So I guess maybe this is kind of an interesting temperature-taking moment before the Knicks do whatever it is they're going to do tomorrow. But what are you looking forward to most of the rest of the season? Like if you were going to set out, you know, hey, I, I hope that, you know, this happens or that happens or whatever. Like what, what are your kind of like wish list goals for the rest of this year? What do you expect, I guess, realistically yeah. too? Well, for one, I'd want to continue to see R.J. Barrett's consistent um, play. 
you know, whether that's, you know, his efficiency from, from the field, his playmaking ability. I want to see his continued growth with this team. It's been a pleasure to watch. We saw it once again on display last night. And I feel like if we do see that, they'll have a great chance of remaining in this fight. I, I still think, you know, I still think at the very least they'll, they'll be battling in that play. And I don't see them, you know, free falling out of 10th unless there's any injury. But God forbid that. But, you know, so RJ's growth and development is something that I'm certainly, you know, keen to watch. How will Derrick Rose impact this team coming back, you know, getting back up to speed and conditioning after a COVID battle? How does Tibbs utilize him? Because I feel like he, he he may not start him and he may not, you know, be the guy that can, can you know, play starters minutes, but he's got to get significant minutes with Julius and RJ because I just feel like he can be a lot more impactful with the starting unit, uh, whether it's starting or closing. And so those are the two things I'm keying in on and just seeing how they weather the storm. You know, this the schedule is tough. They're about 15th or so in strength of schedule. But along that route, they're going to see Miami. They're going to see Boston. They're going to see Chicago, the Hornets, a lot of the teams out there, you know, battling in the thick of things, whether it's from the fourth seed down to 10. Atlanta as well, you throw Atlanta in there. So how they navigate those games against those teams, you're essentially playing playoff games against these guys that you're going to want to own the tiebreaker for. So I would say those are the three things I'm looking forward to post-trade deadline. Yeah, cool. I think, I think that's a great note to wrap up on, CP, and uh, I'm sure you, like us, are excited to see how it all turns out. But before we let you go, can you can you tell people uh, one where they can find everything Knicks fan TV? Because it's, it's I would say it's, it's the it's the preeminent um, like Knicks media program, like certainly on YouTube. Like I, I would say pretty much anywhere. Like it's a must must watch, and there's there's a reason that it's incredibly popular. But can you tell people where they can find that? And I, I don't know, do you have another Kelvin appearance book? Like what what, what should we look out for? Yeah, thanks again, man. Always appreciate you guys for having me on. Um, it's youtube.com slash KnicksFanTV. You can also go to KnicksFanTV.com where we have blog posts from some talented writers as well. Uh, we just had the kid Mero from Thesis and Mero just calling randomly on a post-game show, so you never know who's watching or who's calling in. And so, so shout-out to him. Uh, the Kellerman spot is going to be weekly, every Tuesday at 2.10 p.m. on ESPN+, Plus, ESPN Radio, or XM Channel 70, and then we'll have the replays in video format on uh, on Knicks Fan TV YouTube, typically an hour or so after that that segment. So um, a lot of fun, and like I said, I always appreciate you guys for having me on. Thanks so much for coming on, CP. Look forward to having you on again sometime soon. Maybe we'll we'll definitely get one more in before the end of the season, hopefully. But uh, all right, fellas. Yep. So Absolutely. next time, hit thumbs up for your boys, right? <laughs> you know it, man. You know it. <laughs> Thanks again. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Ness Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.